can do among us as he blesses us and set a high vision and a lofty goal for us to obtain. But that meant that last Sunday night I was boarding a plane. Anyone here love to fly? You love to fly? Okay, I do too. I love to fly. In fact, pilot was another career path that I might have chosen, but did the pastor thing. But I love it. I love getting up in the air. And so as much as possible, I try to make sure that I can get the window seat. I, I pull up that shade so I can look out the window you know, look out, see the ground, just get further and further beneath us and, and look out, see the clouds as you're flying through them. I love the freedom that comes from being up in the air. And someday I'd still love to get my pilot's license. I don't know if God has that in the plan for me, but I would love it. I would absolutely love it. And of course, sure, commercial flying, it can get a little tedious at times, right? The security checkpoints, take off your shoes, your belt, your watch, your wallet, your jacket, your hats, your shirts. <laughs> and you got to stand in line, you know, there's the, there's the boarding process. And, and what seat are you going to get? And it's this tight, cramped space. But still, and once, once you're up in the air, for me, there's like a rush and an excitement that comes from flying. But as much as I love flying, I also know flying reminds me that for that time, that moment, I'm not in control. Like from, from the moment you get on the plane, your schedule for the next couple of hours and, oh man, if your flight gets delayed, then lots of hours that's dictated by somebody else. I mean, even when and how you can use your phone, like, they tell you when you can do that, when you can stand up, when you can, get, when you can go to the bathroom. Like, your, your life is in somebody else's control, and, and your very life is in somebody else's hands. And so you are compelled to trust that that aircraft, it has been put together well, that all the rivets are good, that it's not going to just like disintegrate in midair once you get up into the sky. That the pilots who are sitting in the cockpit, that they're competent and they're capable and they're skillful so that they're going to get that plane up into the air and, and fly. And then when you get down to descend, land safely at your arrival destination. And I think that's, that's the part that's the hardest, right? The landing. Like that's, that's when it's the hardest to trust others. Like to trust those pilots. Like as much as I love to fly, sometimes the landing, it can be a little scary. Like have you ever seen the wheels on a plane compared to the size of the plane? Like they're, they're tiny. What if one of those like just exploded on the runway? What if there was like a gust of wind at just the right moment? Have you ever been in one of those landings where you bounce a little bit when you hit the ground or like you can feel the plane kind of shifting back and forth? It's, it's a little scary. That's a moment when it's the hardest for me to trust my life into somebody else's hands. What's the moment... For you. Not when you're flying, but just life in general. 
What's the moment when it is the hardest for you to trust your life in somebody else's hands? Because if you listen to the Bible, the Bible tells you that you must do that. You must entrust your life into somebody else's hands, into God's hands. And I think that's what makes the words that you have before you in Psalm 62, these words that David, a a king from many years ago, he was inspired to write. It's what makes them so remarkable. Follow along with me as I read where David starts. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Now you might have noticed that I had a word in there that wasn't printed for you on your page. This word truly It is there. It's there in the original. Different translations have it. Maybe they have surely. Maybe they have indeeds. This translation just chose not to include it. But I think it's really important for understanding the sense of these words. In fact, that word shows up five times in eight lines. Now, if you're an author and you use the same word five times in eight lines... That means something. There's some emphasis there. Repetition is important. This is talking about absolute confidence. Complete certainty is proclaimed here. Absolute trust and certainty in this God who is a rock, who is a fortress who is a refuge for us. I mean, the words that are used there are words of power and might and and strength. That the God that you have, he is a capable God. He is a competent God. He is a powerful God. He is a big God. A God who is big enough to hold your life in his hands. A God who is big enough to address the issues that you come against. And those issues will come. That certainty word is also used in verses 3 and 4. As David there describes the issues that he faced. He said, how long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. As a king, as a ruler, David had people who were after him. They were out to get him. They were out to to unseat him from his throne, to cause a coup. He dealt with those personal conflicts in his own relationships as well. What assaults you? What are the the pressures that you're feeling in your life right now? And maybe those pressures are coming from some personal conflicts as well. Maybe there's people that are envious and jealous of the position or the role that you have 
And so they try to tear you down or knock you down. Maybe there's those who speak lies to your face. Because they can't handle the hard truth that is there. Because they're, they're trying to get their way. They're trying to con you. Maybe you struggle with those relationships. Maybe you've been burned before by the people who outwardly, they treat you well, but then they go somewhere else and behind your back, they gossip about you in order to destroy your reputation. Or maybe the pressure that you're feeling, it's coming from somewhere else. Maybe it's coming from the workload that you've had to take on, the the responsibilities that you feel to your children or your family or your job. But whatever that pressure is, whatever is assaulting you in your life, how do you handle it? Do you dig in? Do you you grit your teeth and you tell yourself, now I'm going to take this on and and I can overcome it and I know somehow, some way, I can make it through this. You'll fight on. And by your own strength, your own power, your own might, somehow you will overcome. And when you've told yourself that, how often have you been right? When David, as he described, he gave us an answer for this question. If we were to ask, are we big enough, are we strong enough to handle the pressure and the assaults that this world brings against us? David says, no, no, I'm not. He uses the picture of of a leaning wall, a tottering fence. The other day I was driving through my neighborhood, came around a corner, and all of a sudden I could just see completely into one of my neighbors, their entire backyard. Because their fence had fallen over. The corner post had completely snapped and and there it lay useless on the ground and the thing is it wasn't like one of those old decrepit fences that you sometimes see that's been through one too many hurricanes this looked new it looked like it had just been constructed recently now those builders they look pretty foolish now however they built that fence it wasn't strong enough And sometimes when we choose to rely on our own strength and our own power, we can look pretty foolish. But maybe you're already there. Maybe you already know that you're not strong enough. And so maybe instead of digging in your heels and gritting your teeth and and trying to fight, maybe you shrink back in, in disappointment and in despair You're trying to hide, you're trying to escape whatever's coming and and you're going somewhere you know, you you feel like you're you're bending, you're about to break and you don't know what it is but you're scared that something's going to happen, it's going to push you over the edge, you're overwhelmed already and you are just going to snap, you are going to break. And you're desperate for rest. You're desperate to be refreshed and renewed and to find new energy for your life. 
And God invites you to see a better way. God invites you to see the strength that you can have in him. He invites you to stop and to see just how big he is. That God is your fortress. He is your strength. That you can rest in his capable hands. That he is this mighty rock that when you are about to bend and when you feel like you're going to break, God is a boulder that cannot be moved. That you cannot push your God over. You cannot tear him down. He is your rock. You're going to have this complete and total confidence and trust in him because he is also your salvation. In Jesus Christ, God has delivered you eternal hope. That's how big your God is. If your God is big enough to create this entire world and and all the blessings that we see in it, if he is big enough to weave the threads of history into the beautiful masterpiece of his plan to save you as he sent his own son, Jesus, to give his life as a sacrifice on the cross for your sins, if he is big enough to raise up Jesus from the dead, then he is big enough to hold you in his hands. He is big enough to watch over your life. And since he does, you can be confident and you can be certain. It was amazing today, right? See the baptisms, to see how God was at work in that. And as we watched that, we stopped and we saw how big our God is. In a simple thing, water, but combined with his word, it's a miracle of his own power. And it connects us to Jesus' own baptism, which we heard about today. And there you certainly could see God's business, right? Bigness as he tore the skies apart, as the dove came descending down in, in this form, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, as his voice boomed and said, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. The might of God was on full display. But that very same God, your mighty, powerful God, he is constantly watching over you. He is constantly your rock. And our own baptisms assure us that God is present in our lives. Simple thing water being splashed on people's foreheads. You know, we didn't have the fireworks that were lit up here in the rafters to come shooting sparks down on all of you. We didn't pull out the fog machines this morning. The Holy Spirit didn't tear a hole in our roof and come down in a fiery flame and this dove, and yet we saw the miracle of God's own doing. We saw his incredible power. And because of that power and that strength of our God, we can trust in him. We can carry out those instructions that you find at the end of the psalm. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Because God has said to you, you are my own dear child. With you I am well pleased. 
you can find rest in him. Because he has said to you, you are my own dear child, I love you, you can trust at all times. Because he has said, you are my own dear child, with you I am well pleased, you can pour out your hearts to your God. Both of my flights that I took this week were at night. And what I love most about flying at night is when you look out the window, you get to see all the lights. And when you're flying over Houston or South Florida, there are a lot of lights. Hundreds, thousands, millions of lights. And it made me think of all the people by all those lights. Hundreds and thousands and millions. And it made me think of all the people in this world, billions of people. And then it made me think how big our God is because he watches over each and every one of us. Stop and see God's bigness and put your trust in him because you are his own dear child.